all the men on the cover look disgusting, not attractive at all. So it's kind of like funny. Secret attempted overtours. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I kind of love those salacious old ones. That's great. Because they are sort of shameless and they reveal the sex the sexism of the time but also how nothing fucking changes yeah and everybody always wants was, stories yeah. about rich people and stars yes and, you know we love that celeb goss we love the hot goss yeah steamy anyway we'll Should see have men too. actually what's the what's the copyright on this 88 oh god <laughs> bad year <laughs> actually that's the year of our movie today oh what do you know yeah. what a transition do you hear something hey victoria hi chelsea do you know what i could use right now mm, no a breath of fresh movie all right mm -hmm. that's Browser Fresh Movie, a weekly podcast where me, Victoria Harley, and me, Chelsea Pope, we watch a movie that neither one of us has ever seen before, and then we talk about it. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, it's pretty fun, and uh, we'll, we talk about whatever we want. Mm -hmm. and that might be anything. Yeah, there, there, there may be spoilers yeah. ahead. I mean, there will be. Yeah, yeah. Um, we won't cover everything though, so so you should still watch it. You should still watch it if you haven't. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, my mother is a regular listener, and sometimes she listens to us before she sees the movie. And I'm like, why do you do that? No, don't do that. Mm -hmm. But she's like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. So I, maybe we're not that spoily. Uh, maybe not. Well, it, maybe it entices her. Yeah. Well, she's it, also she's just enticed. Um, very nice and supports me Aww. in my efforts here. So thanks. What if Mom. she didn't listen to this episode? What is this one episode <laughs> she doesn't listen to? I'd live with it. It's fine. Oh, okay. I know she cares. So chill. It's good. I love that. We're all good. Um, this week's... Uh, <laughs> I don't like what the hell that was going. <laughs> Do you know what our movie is this week? Oh, um, I think... You think so? Cause I we, think... I mean, you watched it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, guess what? We're doing the 1988 <laughs> action comedy Midnight Run. Oh, no. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. I watched it. It was great. Uh, it's directed by Martin Brest, who we have covered one of his films before. Oh, yeah. You may or may not know the iconic movie Geely. Iconic is a nice way of putting it. What are you um, talking about? He, he This director, the last film he made was Geely in 2003, and it kind of, uh, it kind of killed his career. Which is crazy because he's done a lot of really great things, and this is one of them. And and Geely is another one of those. I mean, that movie was, <laughs> to his credit, taken away from him mm. and cut very differently. Interesting. And I'm not saying that the original was better, but it actually seems to fit his like style. We can we'll talk a little bit more about, about some of the other movies he's done, but he does a lot of these kind of action thriller Could comedy. Could have been good? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Could it have it, been as good as Midnight Run? I don't know. Um, I just think uh, J-Lo and Charles Grodin, tomato, tomato, you know, <laughs> so similar and dynamic. The, uh, the, when we're talking about a buddy, buddy road trip type of movie with a mobster, Ben Affleck, Robert De Niro, you know, we, he is the Robert De Niro yeah, right, of, of, of his generation. Of, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I would never... I guess all I'm saying is that it feels like this is a genre that Martin Brest is 
off like he's made a good career out of this mm-hmm. you know like he did Beverly Hills Cop mm-hmm. again not my favorite movie but very much one of these action comedies you know yeah. it, it and it certainly projected him into this like um place of kind of importance in Hollywood he was he also did Scent of a Woman which isn't again not my favorite movie but it, it still deals with kind of like people in crime or criminal mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. he seems to be interested in these sort of crime genres right um and because this movie is but more about like the dynamic of the people like that's a seems like that's a framework but then when it comes to the back and forth he 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 does seem interested in just seeing the the actors mm-hmm. uh connect or no, or exude their charisma no totally i mean this is an example of where it really works like mm-hmm. the, and it, it completely relies on the chemistry between the actors because mm-hmm. this is such a formulaic movie yeah it's it's but it, it's okay mm-hmm. because the performances are nuanced the characters are unique they're developed we learn like we learn a lot about their lives and their point of view and um it, it makes it just a good it's a mm-hmm. fun watch because these um, and it's not only Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro who are excellent. There's mm-hmm. a lot of really great supporting players in yes. this too, which we'll get into. Um, for those who want to know what this movie is, maybe yeah. you haven't seen it and you're still here. When an accountant is guilty of stealing $15 million from the mob and is bailed out of jail, the FBI and the mob are both after him. Our hero, Jack, an ex-cop, now bounty hunter, takes a job of bringing him back to L.A. County Jail. You know, for like a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. There's more to it than that, but right. um, really, it's the the issue of I've got this guy, I have to bring him to L.A., and a bunch of people are after us. Yeah, is kind of the vibe of the whole movie. Yeah, this guy Charles Grodin, who's the accountant, he's a hot ticket item. Yeah, he's a wanted man. He's a wanted man, and you know, he's stolen so much money from a mobster that he's not even going to be prosecuted or or caught by you know these other people. Like, he'll be killed by the mob before that ever happens. Yeah. So, like, his life is constantly in danger. At any moment, something could happen. Um, fortunately, the mobsters are kind of inept. Yeah, or, I mean, very inept in this movie. Yeah, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of really shoddy uh, gunplay in this There's some roughness. And the FBI appears to be behind the ball. Like, they're not... This guy, uh, Jack Welsh... Uh, or Walsh, excuse me. Jack Walsh is... Robert De Niro's character, you know, he seems to be better at investigating than investigators who work for the federal government. Yeah. That's kind of like ultimately what ends up proving to be true. I liked how we were learning just how did people find people back in the day? You yeah. know, I liked a lot of the analog tracking people down, yeah. PI stuff. For me, that's kind of just like, ooh, I like knowing how that was done. Um, but forget all of that. What did you think? I want to know your first impressions. What did you think? What did you feel? Uh, well, I'll say I do agree this is a fun movie, and I can see why um, mm-hmm. it has its fans and um, so on and so forth. I think it could have lost a half hour. Mm. I think it's too long. As much as I really enjoy it. It does go on a bit. I enjoy Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. They had a lot of fun chemistry. I think in light of the fact that it is such a predictable storyline you know it's like Mm -hmm. planes Mm -hmm. trains and automobiles but but mob stuff Mm -hmm. you know um that and that's another movie the hot take i i i also wish was slightly shorter sometimes you know yeah and that's a very very punchy comedy whereas this is more like i think the funniest stuff for me is when you just have the two of them 
breathing in a moment together. Like, you know, like there there's yeah. these kind of improvised bits that they do and that's that's where the movie really takes off is when you get to see Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro actually mm-hmm. having fun with each other. Yeah. And uh yeah, I care I care so much less about the the uh, the mob. Not that not, I mean, all these performances are very good. Sure, you know? I hear you. But um, the you mob boss, like, the FBI, yeah. uh, Mr. Pants. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's my take on it. But it was an enjoyable watch, um, and I do I do understand why why folks consider this underrated. Yeah, it's like called the Casablanca of buddy comedies. Oh, okay. Um, and part of that's because I think Casablanca was not expected to be a hit. Gotcha. And like people, while they were making it, they were like, what is this? What is it going to be? And yeah. then it somehow became a hit. So it's similar. Um, my main criticism of it is the music is terrible. It's, yeah, it, do, it does sort of just, just cool. come out of nowhere as this very sort of... Um, it, yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's very like a bubble gummy action comedy music. It is you know? so it's very it's it's, it's, it's sticky. It's deep fried eighties, and it's and it's like it's also there's music in places where we don't need it. Yeah, you know, and because because those moments I'm talk I <sighs> talked about that that work the best for me are a little bit. It's more it's more dry. It's more it's more wit as opposed to it being this like action packed thing. Slaps. St- I mean there yeah. are definitely physically funny moments. There's physical comedy in it, but it's the music does give it this this vibe that it's going to it almost is going to be like a planes trains automobiles yeah, in yeah. that level of like mm-hmm. That's insane another movie. physical. Yeah. You know. And Trains and Automobiles, another great movie that has very bad music in it. Yeah, <laughs> for the most part. I mean, there's a few of, gr- of its time. Yeah, there's know? a few. I mean, the whole mess around scene is great with yeah. John Candy. That's an exception. But um, no, I'm with you. And I also completely block this out. I guess I watched this twice and I was like, oh, Danny Elfman did the music. Yeah, I was. Surprising. I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised when I found that out. So I'm sorry, but it, I mean, I don't I'm sure people worked really hard and yeah. it's very evocative of its time, but. I really feel this movie deserves to be rescored. Yeah. I really believe that. Like, that's, that's my take. I'm not opposed to that. But, like, because it, I, I think that's, a, I think your, your take is valid. And it doesn't match. I think what it is also is like, forget the aesthetics of it. It doesn't, um, it doesn't match the tone of the yeah. movie. Like what exactly. you were just saying about the exactly. dryness and the improv. It's like this should be a lighter touch. This should be like a cooler. And you expect it to be more like like jumpstart slapstick. You you expect it almost to be more high octane silly because of the how how big how the music is big and and kind of silly. Yeah, uh, winky the music and seems. like also just some at times like the way it was mixed against the. It's so loud. It's mm. like so dominant. Oh yeah, that was definitely a problem. I I just turned it down a little bit. I, I was like, I, I hate any and so many movies are are like this too. You have to keep turning it down, and back mm-hmm. up. This yeah. is gonna be, I know. be one of those. Because yeah. there are a few moments with Groden where he's you know he's working in a lower, quieter register, and you yeah. want to catch all that. And you know I. I'm not. A, I I do in I do put yeah. captions on a lot of things. I I had to do it for this one too, especially because that yeah. that dialogue is so yeah rapid fire rapid. It's kind of. I didn't for this, but it was like one of those. Th- I I tend not to with comedies just because sure. it tends. It often breaks the joke unless right. the close caption. You don't you don't read ahead. Uh, yeah, on I'm, it. I can't help it. Well, for what I it's worth, some of the it. captions are n- not to uh, not to drag the uh, Criterion. <laughs> 
Uh, Not super accurate. Uh, yeah, it's a little, a little bit off here and there. Mm. But it certainly there are times when you can tell the person was just like, I'm gonna, I'm not doing yeah, all that. Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes it's inaudible, and I'm like, I know what they said. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't inaudible. You just didn't try. <laughs> well, like with the whole opening sequence, there isn't really a lot of dialogue, and so there was no capture. I didn't know if I had them on, and yeah. then suddenly someone spoke, and then like a beat later, they popped up. And I was like, That's oh, weird. this is a little, That's a little so it was a little bit of a, hmm. a pace thing. So was, uh, yeah, a little feedback then, just a little feedback for the uh, cartoon. All um, the negatives aside though, oh, still, no. still a lot to this like about this. is still an incredible movie. Like we're being really, you know, we're just getting this out because the yeah. rest of this is gonna be about how much awesomeness came oh, out of Oh, for this. sure. I think um, just like a first impression though, and this is quite literally at the beginning of the movie, yeah. there's this, um, I'll call it a gag, where Jack is trying, he's using his like, um, using a lockpick kit he drops part of the kit on the ground then a shotgun blast comes through the door above him while he's bent over like uh-huh. picking up the tool and it just reminded me of arrested development and like that like hot cop scene where job is like dressed like a police officer he's got the little boom box and he's at this motel and uh-huh. he like pounds on the door he's like boom 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 police open up <laughs> and he bends down to like open up his kit and like the same thing happens oh, like a shotgun right. blast just like, <laughs> and he's like he backs away real slowly it made me think i began to realize from that moment on that like oh this movie's in the dna of a lot of other things mm. and although it is formulaic and this certainly is not the first buddy comedy it's not the first action comedy combo yeah. it's not the first road movie where two people like odd couple you yeah know. but these actors and their characters are unique and yeah. it's like so worth it just yeah. for that absolutely oh. and the chemistry is what elevates the material 100 because yeah this i think you know there there are some pacing problems i have with the movie and again if it if it had gotten maybe an, the script had gotten maybe another pass or been a little, mm-hmm. some more trims mm-hmm. i think this would be um a very fun it is still fun but i feel like it would have been a very fun 90 minute movie yeah no i think yeah i agree i mean there was a part of me that felt like did you write this script so you could just take a trip across America? Because yeah. <laughs> like, we literally go everywhere. It is like coast to coast. We're in yeah. Los Angeles, New York, Ohio, Chicago, you know, Amarillo, Texas. It just goes on and on and yeah. on. Vegas, there's a ton. Of, I Okay, we, I love Dennis Farina. Mm-hmm. Like he's barely in it, but his presence as uh, Jimmy Serrano, this, this gangster who, his whole presence hangs over the movie. Well played. Oh, he is perfect and he's barely in it it's just like a scene of him where someone comes and tells him something and then a phone scene and then like i'm walking through the casino with my goons it's like it's such he probably only had like a day or two of shooting Mm -hmm. but he it's so uh he's so present like Mm -hmm. in everything and i love how many lines that guy delivers in this strangely brutal way like he's intense he's so intense. intense and i'm i feel like the people who made snatch watch this movie and we're like, let's just recreate that character again. Because I don't yeah. know if you saw that movie, but he plays, he's basically the super cut guy. He's like the one American who like, every time he has to fly over to Britain to go deal with something, there's this great like kind of cut of him on a plane, knocking back two pills yeah. with a drink. And like, you know, it's like, oh fuck, I have yeah. to do this again. Anyway, um, I, I think, yeah, Dennis Farina is fucking great in this. Um, he had, is this more on number one? Put more on number two. I'm like, like, that almost feels like that could have been in the script. Because those two mobsters who were kind of the bottom rung of that operation were so inept Mm -hmm. and so childish. So much so, yeah. He's not mad at me, is he? (laughs) (laughs) 
I thought the scene with the ex-wife and the daughter was... Really good. Wow. Really good. So much silence. Didn't expect it. Yeah, again, with the, all the, you know, all the more reason when the music sticks out, because there's, there are these various, it's a serial comic, you know, the the various moments in this movie. It's incredibly grounded. Like, like we don't learn everything at once, you know, and it's like, we get to learn about these characters as they're learning about each other. And what I love is that, like, Grun is like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to know more about you than you're going to know about me. Like, uh, is this a love story? (laughs) <laughs> it very much has that 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 endearment factor, you know, um, yeah. when Walsh opens up to him and then it's reluctant and he's like, I see what, the, you know, like I, you know, he's he kind of he's very jaded and kind of sees through yeah. through that or thinks that, you know, Charles Grodin's character is just kind of fucking with him so he can eventually get away or right. manipulate him. But, but Charles Grodin's actually kind of just being a sensitive mensch. Like yeah. he, he's just but it's funny. Everyone describes his character as being irritating. Mm and I suppose, you know, when he's talking about, like, you ever heard of arterial sclerosis? Like, all that stuff yeah. is like, yeah, it's a little bit. No one wants to hear that. But I didn't find him that irritating. I thought, like, everything he, he felt very normal to I like I liked his energy because I, I liked yeah. the attitude he had of, like, I'm they're they're gonna kill me like yeah I'm, right like he he was I'm gonna kinda, have to give you the slip yeah he's like a you know. Uh, Almost like as though he's accepted his. He's just kind yeah. of along for the ride in a sense. He's yeah. kind of kind of he, much more at ease with what's happening. He's very stoic, you yeah. know. Yeah, and I think also his his openness about like you know, you know. Oh well, I but I I gave that money to charity, and he's like, oh, so a bunch yeah. of people you don't know can can love you, and he's like, don't you want to be loved? Yeah, you know. And there's this like pause, and it's like I got plenty of people who love me, and then another yeah. great pause, and then really, who? <laughs> 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 Good moments. I mean, just the space between the lines, like the the pauses are amazing. Yeah. That, that, and it's like, these are actors too that like, I mean, the scene for me that's top and most is with the bus uh, sales Mm -hmm. agent. Like the the woman who works at the counter at the bus agent or the bus depot. Who, yeah, they're running the credit card and it's not going through. Charles Grodin barely says a word in that scene, Mm. but he is making eye contact with her. He's performing with her. He's he's just, and they're constantly rolling your eyes, just shaking his head. And it's like, I've never, like, it's one of these great movies that you laugh so much at things that are that are wordless. Mm. Um, Yafet Koto, all, almost all of his scenes are just him turning around looking really pissed at somebody who has said the dumbest thing. Yeah. <laughs> he's that straight man. Uh, you need to great. see that, re- that office, re- the, the office reaction. Yeah. Is this going to make me upset? Yeah. <laughs> There's a good chance. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to upset me. That was a lie. Um, I thought... It's funny because Grodin, of course, his character pretends to be afraid of flying. Mm. And we find out later that's not actually true. But when he gives that anxiety attack on the plane, mm. that is like an anxiety attack for the ages. That yeah. performance, like, just like the, no, <laughs> no, these things, they're too big. They go <laughs> down. Like, <laughs> it's very silly. I thought it was very, like, it was a very transparent kind of yeah. <laughs> over the top. Uh, yeah. breakdown that uh-huh. he's having yeah. but it works and they cut to him, them walking through that train he's just like I love trains yeah he's like why the, why the fuck are you smiling I love to travel by train yeah he's just so like <laughs> I got my way yeah <laughs> I love to travel oh. but, it's, but it's very it's sort of like almost like that that tactic is almost like he's he's getting he's he's getting out of going on the plane but it's not as sort of 
nefarious or like this elevated like manipulation tactic that's happening it's no. almost like yeah i just want to go in a train <laughs> just likes it better yeah yeah um what else did I, just moments that were standing out that those were the big ones and we, oh. we need to justify that movie choice too because if yeah. it was playing the movie would have been over too soon that's true it's true uh chorizo and eggs that was a great mm -hmm. moment with the because oh, Teresa and eggs yeah <laughs> chorizo <laughs> and when she described it was like no it's delicious yeah, it absolutely a lot yeah. of diners so, so they had like oh, like yeah. four different diners in this that's movie. so true and I love the the one where um where Jack has just lost his, uh the Duke they got to give a nickname to some guy who stole a bunch of money yeah um but he loses Mardukas to another bounty hunter and this is kind of near the end of the movie and you can mm -hmm. just tell he's like fuck you know, low point yeah oh at low point absolutely and he's filthy because he's got like desert dust three days of sweat river water like yeah. th they've been through hell and he's lost it and he's so close and then he goes and, and we don't know but the next thing we see is him entering this diner and there's something about that scene that was like i know that feeling kind of of just being absolutely emotionally and physically defeated and the the hospitality of just somebody behind the counter mm. can be can mean so much to yeah. you and like the way you know the lighter isn't working he he lights the cigarette for him gives him the matchbook i don't know there was something about that that just uh it felt true and real mm -hmm. and beautiful you know, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of strangely beautiful things in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, as much as it is a funny action movie, it has a lot of like ethics and morals and heart. I, I mean, I hate when people are like, it has a lot of heart, but it really does. No, just like Geely. Uh, just like Geely, <laughs> actually. It's a lot of heart in this movie. Yeah, right. It's a lot of humanity. Um, I think I got to say, my just one last favorite thing was the scam to get $20 bills. That yeah. was, that whole scene from top to bottom was just perfect. It was a solid scene. More of that, less of less other yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. And it came so late. Yeah. And it was like, man, this could have been moved up and it would have been, yeah. you know, it took so long for him to trust him to, to do this gag or to do this like scam and, um, and uncuff the guy and all that. But that scene is so great. I mean, I love the guy behind the bar, the way his eyebrows, just go up a little bit when yeah. he sees the badge like whoa okay uh -oh. okay uh litmus method yeah um and and that's such a great well i learned that um groden was allowed to improvise um and that was one of those moments where um you don't know what he's gonna say you feel that from the other actors yeah like, he's what like is he gonna litmus do? method like yeah well, okay yeah because but that's right totally appropriate for the scene because yeah. they're improvising together in this we don't know, you know what this guy's gonna do yeah the other scene that similarly groden was invited to improvise and and truly like you need to emotionally break the other actor to make this feel real was that scene in the train car where yeah. you know he's like i'm just talking to you for the rest of the trip and they're not talking so groden starts doing the both parts you know where are we going shut up what <laughs> 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 can you uncuff me shut the fuck up yeah uh and he starts asking about like what about those? You ever fucked a an animal? That's before? That's, that for, that's like such a has, great scene. Yeah, like wh or whatever he says about like there was some you remember those chickens. He <laughs> finally warms up. He's like, oh, a couple yeah. of them look good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the way De Niro breaks and participates in the joke, it's like yeah. it makes it real. It makes it feel the 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 emotion of the movie or the yeah. the the moment is real. You know, it's, yeah. it, and um and also just God, if you're lucky enough to work with Charles Grodin, why wouldn't you let him improvise? Like right. Look at me like a human boy. <laughs> Look at me like a human boy. We know he can Iconic. do it. We know he can do it. 
Um, we mentioned Yafet Kodo. He plays the FBI, uh, the, the lead FBI agent in charge of trying to find this guy, Alonzo Mosley, who we hear his name is a, lo- a lot because Jack steals yeah. his identity and his real name is Mosley. Alonzo. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I'm Mosley. <laughs> Philip Baker Hall. Uh, we talked about Dennis Farina. Tom Irwin, I don't really care a lot about, but he was the dad in my so-called life, which gotcha. I happened to see. So yeah. uh, I love Mary Gillis. on the noggin. Yeah. Mary Gillis was great. She was the bus ticket clerk. Uh, of course, Joey Pants. Joey Pants. Joey Pants is Eddie Moscone. Yeah. Uh, John Ashton played Marvin, the other bounty hunter, who was disgusting, but very funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, that like smoking or not, like take a guess. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like brimming with smoke and filth. Uh, and Fran Brill as uh, Dana Marducas, the wife of uh, mm. the you know Charles Grodin's character. Um, she was a puppeteer on um, Sesame Street. Oh, she was like uh, very much involved there. So nice. Yeah. Um, this began as a script uh, developed by the director and George Gallo, who based his character, this character of Jack and Duke, he based it really on his own parents, I guess, mm-hmm. and the way they used to fight. He thought it was really funny. I said, my father was very emotional, whereas my mother was more, far more calculating. She would let him talk and lead him down alleys, then strike like a cat. Nice. And that kind of does happen. You know, they'll yeah. be like, does she hurt you? Yeah. You know, are you okay? <laughs> like, no, it's fine. It's fine. But you, but you said she hurt you. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I, yeah, no, you, you made me say yeah. that. You know? You're a grown man. You're in charge of the words that come in your own mouth. Um, De Niro was um it was funny because okay so this movie started out at paramount um and this was martin brust it wasn't his directorial debut but it was his first time as being the producer of the film as well Mm -hmm. and that became important because as he uh although de niro was certainly regarded as like the greatest actor of his generation at this time he wasn't yet seen as like a box office draw Mm -hmm. like he wasn't seen as this big glamorous uh movie star which is just crazy um but he de niro really wanted to do comedy he just done the untouchables and he was interested in showing people that he could do more than these tough guy roles um by and playing a tough guy i know right <laughs> but he, you know comedy he's trying to lose good no, loosening he's, the collar he's fun in it but of course yeah he, he's definitely more of the straight man role. well and it's yeah and it, he's at an interesting place because he's still got a little bit of that youthfulness but he's starting to get a little bit silver yeah it's de, niro, de niro had a really interesting time i think in his career yeah. Um, but his own, De Niro's own agent said that his client would never be a star because he's, quote, just not seduced by glamour. Um, <laughs> anyway, but, you know, they're going ahead with this. Paramount's excited because De Niro's still a good name. Um, but Paramount wanted another big star opposite him. You know, mm-hmm. again, they wanted somebody more bankable. Right. They considered making the character female just so they could, like, cast share. Mm-hmm. They also looked at Robin Williams. I'm just, yeah. Brest wasn't interested in either of those options. Um, and Paramount sort of dropped the project. They said it was because, like, well, this is such a big budget. Mm, yeah. No, but really, it's because. You need a bankable star. You need, but, you know, Brest had had the audition with Groden and De Niro and was like, they're amazing. They've got the chemistry. They've got the chemistry. Yeah. This is who we're casting. And they were like, Gro- Charles Groden like you know oh. to them this was like why would you cast this not this a- not this this talented character actor how dare you Come on. I know I know we I loved I think you shared it with me that tweet about like we used to have movie stars like Charles Groden we used to be a society we used to be a society <laughs> yeah it's true it's the truth he was so perfect who do we have like Charles Groden now nobody I mean, not really nobody yeah. there's nobody like Charles Groden 
that's part of it too. Though. I mean, Robin Williams. I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure the improv would have been fun yeah. and maybe would have matched would the have music been- a little mm. more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, then I don't actually. I don't know about that even though because. Yeah. Yeah. I or or you know I'm thinking about share and it's like well then you, I mean I that the, the the tone of that would be so different because she's not like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, would she be like the Duchess? I'm imagining yeah. her being a little more like, like she is in so many of her other movies. She's she's very good at playing kind of a, a very practical personality. Oh yeah, no, I mean, you know, call shit out. Totally would be fun, but it's such a different flavor. I, yeah, and I think the studio was snap out of it. Yeah, I think the studio was pretty um, transparent too about like it wasn't as if like I'm not saying the problem is like oh, they want it to be a woman. It's that they want to cast a woman and have it be about her being a woman, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and they want there to be sexual Yeah, it would have been, it would have been and, like a rom-com thing all of a sudden. Which I'm not saying that couldn't work. It's just that it's well, a very different movie. That's Geely. That's Geely, that's right. That's Geely. Fuck, you're right. So I'm- We so could have had two Geely's. <laughs> God. Groden, uh, he got permanent scars on his wrists from having to wear these handcuffs for almost the entire like wow. filming. They were on that tight, I guess. Um, and uh, De Niro shout- shadowed bounty hunters and cops to get into the role. Uh, yeah, Fit Cotto was not a huge fan of Martin Brest's directing style, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a, per- I guess he has a bit of a perfectionist. It's a bit tedious, yeah, repetitive. Yeah, like does, a, yes, lots of takes, lots of repetition. Yes, exactly. And, uh, as a result, Koto kind of lost enjoyment mm. in the process. Uh, but however, he did say uh, he was also sick for most of the movie's production. Um, he said, I have a fever and was under the weather for most of it. I was shocked it came off so funny. It sure wasn't funny making it. Um, but you know, his character is not That's having the a- role. He, was, he channeled the character Exactly, well. well, I mean, his character was not having a good time. So this came out July 20th, 1988. It made five million or so in its opening weekend. And eventually, altogether, it was like 81.6 worldwide. Mm. Whatever. I don't really care about the money so much. Just the it fact was that a box office success. It was a success. And the fact that Paramount was like, well, we don't want to make, it's too expensive. You know, yeah. it's like Universal ended up taking on the project because they had worked with Breast before on uh, Beverly Hills Cop. So right. they were like, we'll do it. Yeah. Let's do it. We trust you. Yeah, you're throwing out money. You're throwing money away. Yeah. So rightfully yeah. so. Roger Ebert was very impressed with Charles Grodin. He, he kind of pointed out that this guy has been in about as many movies as Robert De Niro has been working around the same time and yet, uh, quote, never received the recognition he deserves, maybe because he often plays a quiet, self-effacing everyman. He is every bit the master's equal. And by the master, mm-hmm. it's De Niro. Um, Rolling Stone said De Niro and Groden's energies are perfectly mismatched. The former tweaking his famous alpha male persona just enough to get laughs. The latter neurotic and deadpan, turning his fundamentally annoying nature into a weapon. Um, I went on, it works. It works. Yeah. I went on Letterboxd to find yeah. some ladies. There were still so awesome. many male reviews of, of this. Course. It was like, um, this one I love. Just uh, This is Angela Farragato said, um, is this the most romantic movie I've ever seen? <laughs> That's a good one. It's a good it's one. It's true. There's good bromance. Good, very good bromance. And another one from a woman named Madison. Uh, imagine, okay, someone's getting shot. Helicopters exploding. Danny Elfman. Y'all are going to love this. <laughs> Cue the 80s jazz music. 
That music. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry to belabor That's three it. three out of six of the pages that Victoria's yeah, holding Yeah, it's just right how bad the music is. Yeah. Um, finally, from the New York Times, Vincent Canby said, um, the perfectly ser- serviceable premise of Midnight Run, which might have remained a perfectly forgettable action comedy if somebody hadn't had the inspiration to cast Nero and Grodin in the leading roles. Well, yeah. that somebody is Martin Brest. Let's give credit. So, yeah, I mean, he has a good eye for talent. Oh, and absolutely. Then it, 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 yeah, it just at the same time though yeah had it not been such strong performers mm-hmm. i don't know if the same kind i don't know if the script yeah again i think yeah. even more forgettable it's already underrated yeah you know well and you know it's funny it's been on the criterion this month being august 2022 um and i've seen a lot of twitter just dis- not twitter discourse but you know like i follow all the like little cinephile shit so yeah. people have definitely been talking about like oh so glad to see this on criterion it yeah. totally deserves this treatment like it's such a classic it's so good right like, um and it's still it's rewatchable it's just as good you know 30 years later or uh, yeah. you know it's it's a fantastic piece of work and yeah, Charles Grodin, like we we don't we just did not appreciate him enough. He should have been in so much more. Truly. <sighs> it hurts my heart. I mean, at least we got Clifford. We got Clifford. We got some things. We got, we got some, some things. things. And although I'm, you know, love to like direct people toward Louis CK's work, I mean, he was a character in that show Louis. Yeah. He was the doctor who lived in the building. You know, though, and I think one of the greatest things he ever said was just like, you know, he has a three-legged dog. He's taking out for a walk, and you know he's like, um, "How many dog- legs does this dog have?" He's like, three. He's like, "No, enough." Look yeah. at his face. He's totally unaffected. Doesn't care. Like he's just gonna keep going. Like, and just that. It, there were a lot of really great meditative yeah. moments. That whole thing about. Oh, the reason your back hurts because our evolution hasn't caught up. Yeah, we're using a clothesline as a flagpole. Like, I mean, it just—it was a great character. Which makes the whole, yeah, you know, it's steeped in. It's a, yeah, it, and all all to say that like yeah, because then his work he goes uh, goes you know, a little more falls missing. under the radar. Yeah, it goes know? a little more missing exactly, yeah. and that's the bummer, right? Of of writing off some of these things is that like there are these really exceptional work of performers and yeah. creators and all these people behind the camera we don't see and. You know, it, yeah. I, it's hard to write. You know, I, I don't know. There's a great uh, video store in South Pasadena called Videotech. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the way they kind of handle some of the, the, you know, the Woody Allens and all these other, you know, Roman Polanski is like, okay, let's not throw away the magnificent performances that the women in these films gave. Yeah. You know, like Rosemary's Baby and. True story. Um, you know, and, and I think that's a really, that's a smart way to handle it. Yeah. I think that's really, that's kind to the people who worked hard. It's a good holistic perspective. Exactly. So that's kind of posture I'm I'm going to take. There you go. Wow. Um, Other movies that were out at the time. Number one at the box office when this came out was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. So uh, number two was Coming to America, Crocodile Dundee 2, Big, and Die Hard. Uh, Now, what's interesting about Big is that Robert De Niro wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And Penny Marshall, the director, wanted him to do it. Uh And the studio was like, not a big enough star. So they gave it to Tom. That would have been such a different movie, I wonder. He I could have done it. I know, I'm sure it would have yeah. been good, but it but just would have been a diff- totally different flavor, I totally feel like. Totally different. But it's just interesting when the studio like makes a call. And yeah. in this instance, right, like uh, the director fought to preserve or, or had the, the power 
to preserve that. Let's say that, right. you know, I don't know what, I don't know the whole story about Big and Penny Marshall and Tom Hanks. Obviously, people love Tom Hanks in that movie. It's yeah. Like people, yeah, I mean, it turned, it was, it's, you know, it's a, oh, that's it, an extremely iconic movie. Incredibly, but it's like interesting to think that. A lot of iconic movies that, around that time. That's a, I can see even more reason as to why this would, this would fall below the radar yeah. in that time. Oh my God. In spite and, of its success. Yeah. And some, a lot of juggernauts. And those are the, just what was big at the box office. Some other movies that were just out at the time were things like Beetlejuice, mm. uh, Bull Durham, a fish called Wanda, Cocktail, Willow. Willow good, was good, out. Good year for movies. Uh, Rambo 3. Just saying. All right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. Willow. Willow. Yeah. Stop. You have I mean, I Willow. think Beetlejuice. Is, yeah. Wow. Um, something I love. Danny learned. Elfman again. I, that's true. He did better on he that. Just, he, he put, he put, he he put his, it all into Beetlejuice. He put it then, all in. Yeah. And then he was, oh, wait, I got this other project. Midnight Run. Oh, shit. Oh, what is it? What is the what is the log line? Action, action comedy. Uh, all right, here we go. That's good, right? That's good, right? That's good. That'll work. That'll work. That'll work. Yeah, it's bad. It's so bad. Um, in 1994, Midnight Run was it's ne- it's never had a sequel, though people have always talked about it. And of course, now Grodin has passed, so and mm. De Niro's quite aged. But uh, in 1994, it was adapted into three TV movies. Oh, don't recommend. Uh, don't make it longer. Yeah, don't make it longer. I know. I know. It was on. it was like after Midnight Run or something. I don't oh, know. No, they're was... doing like the the Richard Linklater version. Exactly of, of before midnight the Midnight. Yeah. God. Then it goes full rom com before then. Midnight Run. That's like that's funny. <laughs> that's a smashed up. Okay. I would have liked, I could have Where really enjoyed this rhythm. movie where it's just that, like, following them for, like, 90 minutes. Well, that's minutes. what I'm saying. Like, that could have been I really think, fun. They could have done it Linklater style and it would have worked. I mean, I think, like, it did feel like there were an awful lot of show pieces, you mm-hmm. know? Like, there's the shootouts and there's the the part where uh, Jack shoots the tail fin of the helicopter. I wonder if it's... And it like, goes down and crashes in a big ball of flames. Like, I mean, there's I don't so, know, there's too many cooks for me in that. It's a lot like, it's of like, stuff. I don't think we need all that. Like, there's like two, away and we, two different car crashes. Yeah. Like, it's just so much. It's like, well, we need, like, like we, but the best we need are, you to do all this, this tropey stuff to fulfill these certain expectations. Yeah. And the music needs to indicate as well. Yeah. Like, there's all this indicative type yeah. Of like mob action comedy stuff, and I feel like it almost it, it like it didn't need it gets that. In the way. It, you can still have yeah. it be about this this uh, bounty hunter. Oh, and yeah, this, it can still be an action and this movie. guy with with multiple hits on him. Like it can still be that, but then we could just we could just have followed them. Yeah, and then occasionally they run into this person, and then we get yeah. this. Oh shit, they've got this yeah. person on them. I mean, and they get away. Oh shit, there's this person. Yeah, like, and it's not as if those scenes with the mob and the FBI in their own areas are. They're not as if those scenes go on long and long. They're pretty terse. They're fine. I think what happens is too many times where the, they all collide, right? And it creates this big mess. And it's like, and I mean, I don't mean to be picky because I really love this movie, but. Um, I agree with you that like it, it felt like it went on, and I think I could have just dined on nothing but De Niro and Grove. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know that's what. Yeah, yeah and I'm agreeing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm agreeing with absolutely. you. Absolutely, no, for sure. That's, I think we were that's... robbed a little bit of, you know, I feel like there could have been like, I mean, the yeah. best scenes are the ones where there's like the least action. Yeah. So it's mm. exactly. Um, also, okay, so I mentioned there people have long wanted a sequel. Evidently, I don't know what stage this is in, but in 2021, a uh, development for Midnight Run 2 was announced. De Niro is a producer. 
not not a star. Uh, and the idea would be Regina Hall to lead. I don't know who she'd be with. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, that'll never work. It's just that sure. I think Midnight Run is not about its premise. It is about De Niro and Grodin. It's a, yeah, it'll... it'll that, that's the magic. It'll, it's going to live or die. Yeah. If that gets me, it's going to live or die on the uh, chemistry. Yeah, and... I don't. I don't want to say like it couldn't be done, um, because obviously this is a premise that I mean we've had Lethal Weapon and like there's so many of these types of movies. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, but oh, I would be scared to try to take that on. Yeah, because this is so um, one of a kind. It feels yeah. like you know what they say. Stop that, messing with the classics. Well, <laughs> we, you know that like there's an old proverb about like you never step in the same river twice. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was a a moment in time and a, a crossing of paths that just it's just one of a kind. Yeah, like you can't replicate that. You can try, but you're never going to re- recapture it. You know, it's just. Unless you're Gigli. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's a movie. That's why the movie is a gift. Because right. it, it captured that moment. Yeah. That's why it's like, that's why we love it. That's why we want to watch it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I really, I think adaptations and remakes are totally fine. Um, but I think yeah. you really, I, I just think that we would, I think we'd all be served to, well, I don't know. I just, I wish more and more people were writing for the screen. Because, you know, if you take a glance at like the movie's, listed it's often like something that's a sequel or something that's a reboot or a remake or it's part of the mcu and it's just sort of like there's nothing like everything is adapted from some sort of material or is taken from a book or a book is turned into a series or a movie is turned into a series and i'm I'm sure you saw that clip that was going that's been going around on twitter from hot ones with matt damon talking about the the fall of like a of, of why there aren't these sort of like mid budget types of yeah, movies that, yeah. that he used to be all about being yeah. a part of and mm-hmm. the idea that yeah unless something is going to be like an immediate bankable blockbuster which they is don't with all these ips you know why yeah. we have a thousand star wars things and marvel mm-hmm. things you know no it's true when you when i looked you know whenever they we don't want to take that risk yeah when we do these and we look at like the what were all the other movies yeah. it's like oh this is a healthy ecosystem of movies there's mm-hmm. like little ones there's big ones there's kids movies there's stuff that's crossover like Mm -hmm. we we have like a monoculture going on right now i feel like we're starting thankfully to see some pushback we are i think that's a big big reason why every week we talk about it yeah we're like it's happening it's happening no (laughs) but like we're starting to see like hopefully i think culturally the tide will start to shift away from that i don't know trying to be part of that it is trying to be part of that. It is such know? a David and Goliath type of thing. Yeah, but you know, that's the thing though, is like power you have to remember like to not be intimidated by it because like that shit crumbles as soon as people stop believing in it. You right. know? As soon as people don't care about that, it I don't know. And so in some respects I, I can't fault studios for doing what brings in money. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it's unfortunate because the movie business is not a normal business. I think for them to believe that you can somehow have a, a list of film like have no failures is like no 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 you're gonna lose you're gonna lose money like yeah. that's the movie business is not a normal business <laughs> right like, and you can't guarantee these things but i think tech has enabled people to believe they can mm-hmm. like oh no the algorithm says this or the projections say that but none of that stuff is ever going to give you like a new idea it can only reflect like what exists yeah. you know and i just I have so much more faith in like the the little brains out there doing like their strange brainy stuff mm-hmm. 
and I'm I don't know I'm there's a lot shifting there's a lot changing and I don't know it means it could change for the good just as quickly I think as much as things can change for the bad so at least that's me trying to be optimistic Um, but buy your blu-rays there you go get your physical media while <laughs> get you can. your physical media um just a couple notes we've talked about martin breast before because we did cover Gili, but just a reminder uh his first his debut film was in 1979 it was going in style which was a heist movie it's a heist comedy 1984 he did beverly hills cop uh which by the way was offered to scorsese and cronenberg <laughs> they both said no um he was suppo- cronenberg yeah <laughs> he was the initial director of war games but got into a very heated argument with producers and was fired so he was replaced and Mm. then in 88 came midnight run uh he actually appeared as the the airline ticket agent at the near the end he's uncredited but the the whole like smoking or non oh yeah yeah, that was him um he did scent of a woman 1992 meet joe black 1998 (laughs) and then Sheely in 2003 and that was that also i gotta mention that because of this perfectionist uh, quality the Kubrickian kind of mm-hmm. which is maybe not great um, the crew of Midnight Run quit after five weeks wow so they had to hire a whole new crew so uh, good thing it made its money back for sure yeah all the people you've but um, it's interesting that that does seem to jive with what Yafet Koto is saying yeah. about how like this just got tedious and that can get tough too especially when you're making a comedy like that that will oh, yeah. affect the energy so oh hell you will yeah um, and Testament to Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro's oh. abilities and professionalism to be able no to shit. find humor. No shit. And has, still have chemistry under those circumstances. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. very professional. And yeah. I mean, it's possible too that, you know, the director was very much interested in them and their chemistry. He may have been neglectful, you know, of others. Oh, for like sure. That, that definitely happens. Yeah. Um, who's your best supporting player? Best supporting player. It's yeah. a great question because There's so many. The thing is, everybody does a great job, and at the same time, <laughs> they could have like kind of all gone away. <laughs> That's my hot. Another hot take. Hot take. Um, uh, but I, you know, I think based on like just the context of enjoying him in the Matrix, I like I like Joey Pants. You know. Um, <laughs> He was dressed great. He's very well styled, like I, as a as I, a as a schmucky yeah. type of dude. When I was watching <laughs> the this, comb over, when I was watching this with people, I was I I was like, before I moved to LA, if I had watched this, I would have looked at him and been like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, but I'm like, no, he's dressed like an LA billboard. Yeah, <laughs> he absolutely has that. Vibe. Like, there's something about LA that allows you to dress a bit more like an asshole, like, yeah. and not be um, have it not draw comment. Um, sorry. Anyway, Joey Pants. That's I true. just wanted to. Oh, yeah. What were you saying? You, you know, I, I yeah, totally, that's all I had okay. to say. Yeah. I didn't derail. Good. No, not at all. Have you seen any suspicious characters around here? Nope. Do you live around here? Yep. Hmm. It's these moments. Oh, uh, yeah. these little, little moments. They're so good. And Charles Grodin, I, I, I heard somebody else describe, well, like when he passed away, I listened to his podcast that was doing a tribute to him and one of the things they sort of were pointing out was like he knew what he was doing was funny yeah and he didn't need any reassurance from anybody like he was just like no i know i'm in control of this mm-hmm. I, I mean watching this god it really makes me want to like work hard on a better deadpan like yeah. every time i see him i think god i want to say less 
and impact more you know yeah. he's so good he's so it's so elegant yeah silence be comfortable in it uh well yeah. i'll tell you my <laughs> best supporting player sounds great i think i kind of already tipped it when i said mary gillis the yeah um, the woman who who was working at the bus stop selling yeah. them the tickets uh, just run it again no do you want us to call the fbi yeah. <laughs> i just love that um it was a good you know it's funny last week we were talking about edie mcclurg it's like again this trope right of the the customer service rep behind the counter being this like obstacle yeah an obstacle because they're they are so um part of another world like mm -hmm. i just uh i recently for the first time saw the killing which is an early stanley kubrick movie and one of the most tense scenes happens near the end in an airport and it's dealing with like this perfectly like okay that's no problem sir we'll just change your flight to blah blah you know and it's like no no and it's i i love the way that like, people have to run into the the wall of bureaucracy yeah. or the cus and and deal with a representative you yeah. know it's like it's like it's combat it's like you know it's social combat <laughs> um so yeah big shout out to her but you know, I also love Dennis Farina. I don't want to see you two alive again. Yeah. Like, you know, he's so brutal, and I'm gonna put this phone right through your head, stab you in the heart with a pencil. He just—I don't know. I believed him. Also, um, I I love at the end. There's a scene in the airport where he shows up, and he's he's in that immaculate white suit, mm -hmm. and you know, Jack is filthy i mean he's just been he's the kind of person that if you saw him at the airport you would look away you would pretend like you yeah. didn't see him because he was probably smells disgusting he's covered in dirt yeah and, and there's a comment made about it. i love the continuity of that like everyone stays dirty you know um and f you know farina who plays well, jimmy serrano comes in and he's in this immaculate white suit white yeah. tie white shirt and there's this really you know in in costume design villains are yeah. always dressed really well and and villains often wear white like mm -hmm. that's like a we love it's a to status flex. Yeah. yeah. Like it's it's um it's a little terrifying and intimidating when someone's dressed really well. Right. It's like, ooh, shit. Like yeah. I'm scared of you. <laughs> so um it was just a great, you know, little moment. This movie works on a lot of different levels, I guess is all I'm trying to get at. Um, would you watch it again? Uh that's a great question. I it, I I would I would have it as a casual watch in the background. If it was on, I would I would I would like if it was on at a party I'd start mm -hmm. watching it for sure I mean there's a lot of great moments and um, I'm really glad to have watched it I don't think I'm gonna like rush to rewatch it fair um, also too just like in general road movies are a tough watch for me I find them I find them a bit tedious really so, yeah, oh okay yeah. but that's not to say I mean, I'm someone. I like I like planes, trains, and automobiles. I would like. So it's. I feel that tedium and frustration. I'm I'm over empath overly yeah. empathizing with the uh, straight man in these movies. Just like, God damn it, are we there yet? <laughs> I mean, that's fair, and I think that's part of what makes road movies great. Is that like if you like if you like them, you like them. Yeah. You don't you don't. Yeah. You know? But it's often scenes of adults who end up acting like children. Yeah. Because the the stresses and the things just break you down. You yeah. know, the whole like, I'm not talking to you for the rest of the trip. Like, yeah. That felt like such a- Test patience, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear you. So I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe you're empathizing and you're just like, yeah. I don't want to be stuck in this car with these people. Um, there's something to that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I won't sit here and say like, I love every road movie, but I kind of like sure. them. So for yeah. me, this was, I, I would watch it again. I did watch it again. 
um, with other people. And I think it was fun to watch it with yeah, people who hadn't seen it. Yeah, this could be a fun, more more be- fun as a social Yeah, especially experience. because like knowing what was going to happen, what Charles Grodin was going to say, and the, how yeah. the scene was going to go... It was just a delight to watch. It you again. turn to your friend, you're like, "It yeah, wasn't funny." Yeah. I'm just like, "I'm just like, oh, this part's great." It's, the part good. where Robert De Niro's whipping up a quick forgery on the flight, and yeah. the, there's that kid sitting next to him who's just looking at him doing it. He's like, "How does this look?" He's like, "Pretty good. It's great." <laughs> you can email us at a breath of fresh movie at gmail.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Letterbox, all those places Wee. at Fresh Movie Pod. You can also follow Chelsea. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Chelsea the Pope. Mm-hmm. Yep, just that. Okay, yeah. cool. No worries. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Criterion OOC. So, uh, thanks for listening. Tell me how much you hate the bear, and I will send you a sticker. <laughs>